You're listening to a weekly podcast made by Miami Dolphin fans for Miami Dolphin fans. Your source for entertaining Dolphin news, insight, and general conversation. Here's your host, Michael Fink. Hey everyone, this is Mike. Uh, the Fin Fans Podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Okay, it's another week and I'm here with Louis Ragoni. Hello, Dolphins. Today we're going to finish up talking about the offense. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the running backs and the offensive line of yesteryear. Louis, the first guy I think i got to mention is Larry Zonka. Uh, he played here 68 through 74 and then came back in 1979. He was drafted with the eighth pick in the 68 draft. He was a five-time pro bowler and twice named to the all-pro team. Larry not only carried multiple defenders on his back, he also carried a two-time world championship offense. His bruising runs wore down defenses in the Florida heat. Let's talk numbers for a minute, uh, just to put things in perspective for some people. Larry had three less carries than Ricky Williams did in the Dolphins uniform, 1,506 to 1,509. Uh, Larry gained 4.5 yards a rush when teams knew pretty much who was going to be running the ball and who they had to stop. Ricky, for his Dolphin career, averaged 4.3 yards per rush. Larry had 53 touchdowns. Ricky had 48. In my opinion, Larry was the best back in team history and the only Dolphin back in the Hall of Fame. And that's no disrespect to Williams. He was awesome as well, and we'll talk about him in just a little bit. How'd you feel about that, uh, Lou? I agree with you. I mean, as great as Ricky is and people who weren't able to watch Larry Zonka run the football, uh, he was just a bruiser. He was a fullback, Mike. He wasn't a halfback. This guy was a fullback, and he was a fullback on a team that ran the ball 90% of the time when they were winning Super Bowls. And as you mentioned – he was he was the key contributor in both of those Super Bowl games. Uh, the defense played extremely well. There's no question about that. But on the offensive side, especially against Minnesota, I mean, he carried us. Uh, the guy was just an absolute beast. And I and I, the thing I loved about his whole career, Mike, was when he came back and ended his career with us in 1979. Uh, you know, he comes back, he runs the ball 220 times. Late in his career for like yep. eight, over 800 yards, and he had 12 touchdowns that season. It was so much fun to have him come back because he had been gone for three seasons. And he comes back. He plays his very last NFL game with the Miami Dolphins, his very last NFL season with the Dolphins. And uh, it, was, it was a joy to have him come back. He was the same player. Uh, he wasn't as quick. Maybe he wasn't as strong, but he still got the job done. And uh, he did it, in, you know, in, in, in his true fashion, just bouncing off of people and running over people. He was, he was fantastic. Well, in fairness to him, the line probably wasn't quite as good as, it, good as it had been earlier in the decade. Yeah, agreed. There's no question about that. The team as a whole wasn't nearly as good at right. that point. But, right. but he, you know, he still was very, very, very productive in his last season as an NFL football player. And a Hall of Famer, as you mentioned. Just one of the best, maybe the best fullback ever. I don't know if they consider Jim Brown a fullback or who they throw well, into Bronco that. Bronco Nagurski, and there were a few other guys. Franco Harris. I mean, come on. That guy stepped few, out of bounds. There were a few other guys that were good fullbacks, but 
you know, we, we saw Zonka and there was nothing, there wasn't anything you could critique about his game. He barely fumbled the ball. He, he was just such a solid, solid player. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we got to talk about another solid player who, unfortunately, we got news this over the weekend that it has passed, and that's Jim Kick. So our condolences to anybody uh, closely associated with him that could possibly be listening. Such a sad thing. You know, Jim was drafted in the fifth round of the 1968 draft. He had uh, 5,854 all-purpose yards and, and, and did a lot of the dirty work for the bigger Zonka. Uh, he had 31 career touchdowns, 10 of them coming in 1969. He had over 1,000 all-purpose yards in the six, in 68 through 71. Uh, Jim made two trips to the Pro Bowl and uh, currently stands fifth all-time in rushing yards for Miami behind only Zonka, Williams, Brown, and Morris. That's pretty incredible to me, actually, that he's still fifth in, in team history in, in uh, you know, rushing yards. Yeah, I mean, it it tells you how, how good this guy really was. And when you look at the Dolphins and you look at that offense, you know, you talk about Zonka, who we just did. You talk about Bob Greasy, another Hall of Famer. Paul Warfield, another Hall of Famer. And then Mercury Morris comes into the mix. Yep. And then you talk about the offensive linemen, you know, Larry Little and Jim Langer and two more Hall of Famers. And Kick kind of goes under the radar. But Yes, he does. But what ha- you know, he was such an important part of those Super Bowl teams and those really solid early 70 teams. He did everything. He caught the football. He was our, he was our pass catcher out of the backfield. I mean, there was a couple of seasons where he caught 40 passes for us out of the backfield, which doesn't sound like a lot. He was an incredibly good short yardage runner down near the goal line. Yes, that was another thing. I mean, he ran the ball down by the goal line. He gave us another option. Uh, you know, he had nine touchdowns in 1969, you know, rushing the football. So, I mean, he was a great player, a great individual. He stood in this area his whole life. Um, he, was in an, he was in an assisted living facility for I don't know how many years. Uh, Mercury Morris, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, but they became best of friends and Mercury went and visited them once a week and took care of them. Whenever there were uh, charity events, offered all's uh, barbecue thing down in Fort Lauderdale, Merck picked him up, brought him there. Uh, we just saw him, Mike, this past year in October. And, um, you know, he didn't seem well, but He's still such a great guy. I mean, a pleasure to be around. I mean, we've done a few autograph signings with him, and he very fan friendly man. Incredibly, incredibly nice individual, and um, you know, it's sad to lose another one of our boys. You know, but um, you know, and yes, you're right. Mercury Morris is next. Yep, he played from '69 to '75, and he was a third round pick in the '69 draft. Uh, Mercury was the perfect complement to the bruising Zonka. As defenses bunched the middle, it left the outside exposed, and Miami's offensive line had guys who could lead a sweep. So Mercury had the speed to take advantage of it, and uh, he finally broke the starting lineup in 72 in a bit of a controversial decision by Shula. As usually happened, I think Shula was proved right. Uh, Morris hit 1,000 yards dead on in 72 and just missed by 46 yards in 73. In all, he rushed for 3,877 yards, scoring 29 times on the ground. Morris wasn't much of a receiver, but he did add 46 receptions and 491 yards in his seven-year Miami career. Uh, his career did come to a quick end as injuries caught up to him late in his career, 
He spent his last season, 1976, in San Diego, adding 256 yards to his career total. Yeah, Mercury, you look at his average per carry, and there, I mean, the numbers are just incredible. Um, 6.82 yards a carry. In the first season, he really had an opportunity to run the football for us. 5.5 yards a carry, 5.6 yards a carry. And then in 1973, 6.4 yards a carry. That's incredible. And 10 touchdowns for a guy that, you know, Mike, I'll tell you, he was so fast. I mean, he just blew past people. When you watch highlight films of this guy, you're just like in awe. You're like, my God, he's just running right past people, defensive backs, whole, whole defense. Uh-huh. Um, he, was, he was just a joy to watch, and like, as you mentioned, the perfect complement to what Zonka did. I mean, it was an incredible one-two punch. I don't know if I have seen a better running back tandem ever in all the years I've been watching football. And again, I know I'm a homer, um, but – you know, Rocky Blyer and, and Franco Harris were, were, were a nice tandem up in Pittsburgh for a while. Kevin Mack, Ernest Biner in Cleveland. But these two guys, I mean, Zonker and Mercury Morris. Well, I, I throw kick in that group, too. I mean, they, they were the perfect backfield, as that special pointed out. Right. Oh, no question about it. Absolutely. I mean, you have to throw kick in. But I'm talking about in regard to those couple seasons when these two were starters. I'm talking uh-huh. about two starters on an offense at fullback and halfback. They are probably the best tandem in the history of the NFL. Well, because uh, you know, because they complement the each other so of well. The NFL. Uh-huh. I agree with you. Yeah, no question about it. And I mean, people can go back and they can look through history and okay, throw us, throw us some, throw us a tandem that was better than these two. You're not going to find one. You're just not. Well, when you consider that they were a running team and teams were defending them to run, it yes. makes their accomplishments even bigger. that much yep. yeah, even that much uh, better. Absolutely. Yep. No question about it. Let's just throw in before we move on and go forward in time a gentleman by the name of Joe Auer, who was actually our first starting running back. Uh very first play in Dolphin history, we take a kickoff and he brings it back 95 yards for a touchdown. Um, I just wanted to throw him in there because we tend to forget about those early guys. You know, we go right into the Super Bowl, Super Bowl years, and and we forget about you know that we did have you know three or four years of history prior to these guys coming right. in. You know, the Super Bowl team. Right. So but they, they were they were a pretty crappy team. They, so. <laughs> <laughs> there's no question. There's not a guy. There's not a lot of guys that are worth mentioning. But you know. It, it was interesting. You know, very first play in our history, he returns one for a touchdown. Absolutely. I just wanted to throw him in there. And, uh-huh. you know. Don Onningham, 1973 to 1977. He was a 12th round pick of the Colts in 1971. He was uh, brought in to back up Sanka and did a respectable job averaging 4.2 yards a carry. His best season was 1975, the year Zonka played in the World Football League. Don rushed for 718 yards in 14 games. The human bowling ball. And that's what he looked like when he was running the football. And, you know, when we did lose Zonka, which was brutal, uh, he made it a little bit better for us. He, he wasn't the same running back Zonka was, obviously. You got a whole He didn't of quite have the power that Zonka had. And Zonka had pretty good speed for a big guy as well. Yeah. But Nottingham 
you know, as you mentioned, the season that he had for him filling in, I mean, 12 touchdowns, eight touchdowns, three touchdowns. I mean, this guy had 25 touchdowns over his Dolphin career, and he had, you know, as you mentioned, eight and 12 touchdowns over those first two seasons that um, Zonka was gone. So with that being said, or hurt, actually, because Zonka was hurt a lot prior to the season he left, but he did a very, very good job. He made it a little less painful when, when Zonka, in fact, did leave. He was a nice football player for us for a few years there, and he was funny to watch. You know, he had a very, very. He looked like a bowling ball when he was running. Uh-huh. When he was running the football, it was funny. Another guy was Benny Malone. He played here from '74 to '78. He was a second-round draft pick in '74. Shula was looking for depth, and it wasn't long before Benny had established a role. He was a reserve back until '76, when he started 12 games. In five seasons, he rushed for 2,129 yards before playing his last season in Washington. He was best known for his bow-legged running style and maybe scoring a little too quickly in the Sea Hands game, leaving Stabler time on the clock to work his magic. Yeah, Benny was one of my favorites. Uh, you know, again, this is a guy that stepped in for Mercury. And, you know, we thought that we would be okay, you know, between him and Nottingham, but... Benny was constantly hurt, and that obviously affected his career. It was a short career here in Miami. They shipped him off to Washington, and he played a couple seasons there. But uh, they were just a fun team to watch. I mean, with Nottingham and his running style and him with the bow legs, you know, it, it, they were a fun team to watch. This guy was one of my favorites when he was healthy and on the field. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed too. him. He was fun. He, like you said, he was fun to watch. He, just the way he ran was fun to watch. Oh, it was. he was great. And, Mike, you know, he would have put up 1,000-yard seasons had he not constantly been getting hurt. Yeah, he had talent. He just couldn't keep it together. He just, right, he just couldn't stay on the field. So, um, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned him again, one of my favorites. Norm Boulash was with us from 75 to 79. Uh, He was a first-round pick of the Colts in 1970. Uh, In five years with Miami, he started 18 games, rushed for 1,498 yards, and scored 17 touchdowns. He also caught 59 passes for 752 yards. In rushing, he averaged 4.4 yards a carry. Norm, Norm, Norm. The same... Mike, Nottingham, Malone, yep. Boulash, they, they were the trio there. I mean, they basically, these are the three guys that took over for Zonka, Mercury, and Kick. Yep. Basically, they all filled those roles. Norm Boulash was our Jim Kick once Jim Kick had left the team. And I'll tell you what, he did a fantastic job. I mean, he was a great receiver out of the backfield. And when you looked at him, you're like, this guy doesn't look like the type of guy that, like, when you look at receiving running backs in the league nowadays, it's usually a very, like, you know, it's a Mercury Morris type of guy that's mm-hmm. very fast and it's got great hands, you know, Kenyon Drake type of player. This guy was the complete opposite. He was a little bit, you know, bulkier guy. Yeah, he was, he was stumpy. <laughs> he was stumpy. He looked more like a fullback. Yeah. And he just did an outstanding job for us over those seasons, you know, catching the football and running the football. Another guy I truly, truly enjoyed watching play. I mean, I can't tell you I didn't watch enjoying any of these guys that we've mentioned so far. And this next guy, I, I probably enjoyed as much as anybody, and that's Tony Nathan. He played from 79 to 87. He was a third-round pick in the 79 draft. Uh, He made All-Pro his rookie season. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry over his career on the ground. 
and uh, 9.4 yards per reception. Uh, he scored 16 touchdowns receiving and 16 touchdowns rushing. He was a steady, reliable player. He ended his uh, nine-year career with 7,135 yards from scrimmage. His best season rushing was uh, 1981, where he gained 782 yards on the ground and another 452 receiving, but his best season overall was 1985, where he rushed for 667 and had 651 receiving for 1,318 total yards in scrimmage. Tony also returned kickoffs and punts in 79, 80, and 83. Tony's a guy that, um, you know, if people, uh, you know, our listeners out there didn't, didn't see him play, didn't have the opportunity to see him play, he's like a poor man's Marshall Falk because he could run the ball. And, you know, he was playing at a time where we went into that conversion where we went from the Strocked, Woodstrocked, to Marino. And once Marino came in, he just became a phenomenon. I mean, he was always a great pass receiver. He did everything very, very well. He was a guy, he was a three down back. I mean, it's, you know, plain and simple. He could catch the ball, and he was an incredibly dependable receiver year in and year out. And as you mentioned, his numbers show that. I mean, he had seasons, Mike, where he caught his three seasons once Marino came on the scene. He had 52, 61, 72, and 48 catches over those yep. four years. And yep. they were they were for nice chunks of yardage. I mean, 650 yards, as you mentioned, almost 600 another year, almost 500 another year. I mean, and this guy averaged over five yards a carry, by the way, when he ran the football in a lot of his seasons. I mean, he was always around five yards a carry through his career as far as touching the football. Tony Nathan was very, very good for a very long time. I mean, you mentioned nine years. Eight out of those nine years, he was so productive. I mean, at, you know, his last season, I think he was banged up quite a bit in 87, didn't play a lot, but. When he was healthy and on the field, he was just an incredibly good football player and uh, well-deserving. I mean, he's one of our – by far, he's one of our top all-time running backs, no just question a, Just a pro's it. pro. I mean, he was very, very uh, professional. He was very friendly to the fans. You know, I just – he was just a super guy. Absolutely. Woody Bennett played from 80 to 88. Now, uh, Woody got a start with the Jets, and Miami claimed him off waivers in the 1980 season. Uh, that was his second season. Yeah, he went on to play 125 games for the Dolphins, totaling 419 runs and 295 catches. Yeah, Woody Bennett, he was the blocker. You know, he yeah. didn't he didn't do an awful lot more. Um, you know, I <laughs> he just did his job really, really well. Fullback, and uh, you know, I mean, he had it in '84. He had seven touchdowns for us. He was running the ball a lot down by the goal line. But, you know, past that, his, his contribution was just blocking. And he, he always did a great job of picking up blitzers as well. He was an incredibly, incredibly good blocker, even on passing downs. It, another professional, Mike, a guy that, you know, as you mentioned, we got him from the Jets and he wound up staying with us for years. I mean, he was, he yeah. was a mainstay for years. I Nine mean, years. For years. Nine years, yep. Yeah, a guy that's well-deserving to be on this list and uh, well-deserving of a mention here, no question. Andrew Franklin played with us from 81 through 84. 
Uh, he was a second-round pick in the 81 draft. He was a fullback who carried the ball 622 times over his short career. He had 22 rushing TDs and one receiving. Uh, he played in two games in 84 and then retired. In the playoffs, Andre carried 26 times for 112 yards against the Patriots in 82. And the following week against the Chargers, he had 96 yards on 23 carries. He had a rushing TD in each of those contests. The knock on Andre, as far as I was concerned, was uh, he fumbled 14 times in 34 starts. Yeah, he was a fumbler. The, the uh, Epic in Miami had a, a big, big major, fumble. Major, fumble. I mean, they were running the clock out. They had a lead, and uh, he turned the ball over. He allowed San Diego to come down the field and uh, score the tying points in that game when we could have just sealed it and, and had one of the greatest playoff comebacks in the history. So, yeah, I remember Andre for fumbling a lot. But I'll tell you what, um, you know, over those three seasons, as a starter and a fullback, you know, he, he was, a, he just was a solid, solid guy. Always got in the end zone. I mean, his three touchdown total, seven, seven, eight over those three seasons, you know, he was a good compliment to Tony Nathan at the time and a few other guys that were sprinkled in there. He was a very, very solid player, but for a very short time. Yep. Lou, Tony Page was with us from 1990 to 1992. He was a free agent from Detroit. Tony's value was not as a runner. Where he really thrived was as a safety blanket for Marino. He had 140 receptions for 1,115 yards with an 80% catch rate. Yeah, a fullback and a little pudgy fullback at that. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. just incredibly good hands. I mean, the, the numbers, as you mentioned, he was a safety blanket for Marino. Every time Marino needed to check down, uh, Tony was Tony Page was there. I mean, 35, 57, and 48 receptions over those three years he was here as a starter. Um, every single game he played for the Dolphins, he was a starting fullback. And I'll tell you what, he did an incredibly good job out of the backfield as far as catching the football. A joy to watch. A very, very good football player. You wanted to talk about Mark Higgs. Uh, now he was here from 90 to 93. He was an eighth-round pick of the Cowboys in 88. You want to talk about him a bit? Yeah. I mean, Higgy was just a bruiser. I mean, Mike, the carries he had, 231 attempts, 256 attempts, and 186 attempts. Now, the Dolphin teams in the early 90s were pretty solid football teams, and he was our starting running back for the most part. Um, Fell short of 1,000 yards in 1992, 85 yards, um, seven touchdowns that season. Um, at that point, he was an extremely good running back, and they depended on him. I mean, Marino was still there, and we were still throwing the football a good amount of the time, but when we needed yardage, Higgy was there, and he came, he came out of nowhere. I mean, you know, he was a guy that was with Dallas, as you mentioned, drafting, drafted by the Cowboys. He went to the Eagles. The Eagles had him for one season. We picked him up. We had him for a full season. He did nothing. He had like 10 rushing attempts in his first year. And uh, somebody had gotten hurt. I don't remember who it was. And in 91, he just took over and just did an incredibly good job out of nowhere. Um, you know, he came on. He sparked the offense. And, uh, you know, he was very solid for those three seasons. 
Terry Kirby played with us from 93 through 95. Uh, he was a third-round pick in the 93 draft. As I said, he only played three seasons in Miami as uh, Jimmy Johnson cleaned house when he came in. But Terry would go on to play seven more seasons in San Francisco, Cleveland, and Oakland. Here he rushed for 1,037 yards and scored nine touchdowns on the ground, and his average per rush was 3.6 yards per carry. Where he made his mark was again as a receiver out of the backfield, catching 155 passes for 1,646 yards. 78.7% catch rate, and he scored six touchdowns. <laughs> Mike, this guy in 1993, okay, had 75 receptions for 874 yards as a part-time player. Yep. This is a guy that was not even on the field every down. Uh, he wasn't a very good running back at it as far as running the football, but receiving-wise, he was just absolutely incredible. I mean, he averaged almost 12 yards of reception out of the backfield. So every time he was catching the ball, he was going for first down yardage. Um, you know, he got hurt the following season, didn't play a lot, but came back in 95, had 66 catches for 618 yards. Again, almost 10 yards a reception. A guy that was really, really one of the best receiving running backs we've had in the history of our organization. Yep. There is a trend here among these backs. Uh, the next guy is Keith Byers. He was here from 93 through 96. Uh, he came here by free agency. He was a, another back that was a good receiver and not quite the runner you'd want to wrap your offense around. He averaged 3.8 yards per carry and about 8 yards rushing a game. Uh, as a receiver, Keith was reliable. He caught 166 passes for 1,433 yards. Uh, his catch rate was uh, 73.5%. He scored 10 receiving touchdowns to go with six rushing TDs. Uh, when I think of Keith, I think of Snow Angels on Thanksgiving Day against Dallas. <laughs> yeah, his, his greatest run, I think, in his career. I mean, Probably. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't, he was a fullback, Mike. And, yeah. um, and he was bumbling and stumbling. <laughs> I don't know if he... In the history, in his career, if he had anything that even compared to that run, it was a 77 yard touchdown in that great uh, Thanksgiving Day game, you know, against the, the, the Cowboys, the, the best team in football at that point. We didn't even have our starter in. Uh, DeBerg started that game at quarterback. There was just so many fun things. But yes, that is one of the things that stands out. His 77 yard touchdown, which was one of the bigger plays in the game. And uh, him making snow angels in the end zone once he did score the touchdown. But uh, with all that being said, he took over once Tony Page was gone as our fullback. And he did a great job. I mean, the guy averaged about 50, 60 yards a year in the three seasons he was here. As a starter, he got hurt. He got cheap shotted on a, on a reception in his fourth year. And somebody hit his knee. We were at that football game, and he was done for the season. I think it was like maybe a game into the year, two games in the year, and he never played for us again. But a great guy to watch, unbelievable hands out of the backfield, and, and just a fun football player. In 2000, we got Lamar Smith. Uh, he played here in 2000, 2001. Uh, he was a third-round pick by Seattle in 94. Then he went to New Orleans before ending up here. He had 683 touches in two seasons with the team. His 83.6 catch percentage is outstanding for a running back. 
He had 20 rushing TDs and 16 receiving TDs over his two seasons. His 3.4 yards per carry reflect his usage in short yardage situations. He caught 61 passes and ran the ball 622 times over that two-year period. I know you're going to want to go ahead and bring up uh, his performance against uh, the Colts in our last playoff win. Why don't you take it from there? Yeah, the Colts and Peyton Manning over 200 yards. He just he was just unbelievable uh, in that football game. He carried us. I mean, plain and simple. And Mike, the amount of touchdowns that this guy had over his two year career with the Dolphins was just insane. I mean, he had yep. 14 rushing touchdowns and almost 1,200 yards in, in the year 2000. I mean, he just carried us over those couple of seasons. He was a workhorse, as you mentioned. He, he carried the ball over 300 times the two years he was with us. And just a bruiser and a fun, fun guy to watch. And you know what? He, even though he was a bruiser, Mike, I mean, he could take the ball to the house. He did it on occasion. You know, he had a 68-yard yeah. touchdown run in that 2000 season that was great you know he just he just ran over he was just a really good combination of uh you know a, a pretty solid solid guy um as far as uh breaking tackles and also being able to you know outrun some people at times you know for a big guy he had some pretty decent speed so he he was a fun guy to watch speaking of big guys with decent speed Ricky Williams was here uh, in 2002 through you know 2003, and then he was back in 2004, missed 2006, and was back in 2007 through 2010. He was a fifth overall pick by the Saints in 1999, and things were going okay for Ricky in New Orleans. Um, he rushed for 1,800 yards over two seasons. Then in 2001, he began to show a little bit more. He rushed for 1,200 yards. That was enough to get the attention of the Dolphins, who needed a running back pretty badly. The Dolphins would pay dearly for his services, sending two number ones to the Saints. Now, in his first season here, he had, in 2002, Ricky exploded for 1,853 yards, carrying the ball a whopping 383 times. He made his only Pro Bowl that season and was named All-Pro. In 2003, Ricky gained 1,372 yards on the ground. He also caught 50 passes for 351 yards. The work in his social life clashed a bit at that point, and he missed the 2004 and 2006 seasons. Uh, he played one game in 2007 before being injured and, and missed the rest of the season. Remember, some guy jumped on his chest with his cleats. Yeah, that mm -hmm. was bad. Yep. Mm -hmm. In 2008, Ricky was reborn with the introduction of the Wildcat. He gained 659 yards on the ground and would better that in 2009, gaining 1,121. That was the last time he'd break 1,000 yards. Ricky was a good receiver out of the backfield, catching 197 passes for 1,431 yards and had a 74.9% catch rate. He had a rare combination of speed and power that so few backs have, and when they're in the prime, they're, you know, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, but he did leave a lot of yards on the field, missing almost three complete seasons. Uh, he was truly a Hall of Fame talent that, that probably won't ever get there. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that, Mike. He might very well get into the Hall of Fame. I mean, he did get over 10,000 yards over his career, and he just walked to that. I mean, 
he could have been he could have been he could have been maybe the best ever because i don't know if i saw a better com ever have ever have seen a better combination. Errol Campbell was comparable, but I that's think- That's what I was, that's the name I would have brought up. But Ricky had more speed than Earl did. He, I think so. And Ricky played in a different era as well. I mean, Campbell was not going against the defensive players, I would say, that Campbell was going against on that side of the football. The game changed a lot. I mean, there, there, were, there were a ton of incredibly good athletes on the opposite side of the football Went, that Ricky was going up against every week. And the fact that you, you know, you mentioned this, okay, this guy, and now put this in perspective, you know, people that are listening out there, this guy carried the ball almost 400 times two straight seasons, 400 carries over a 16 game season. The guys nowadays, are maybe, maybe get 15 carries a game. I mean, the guy in Tennessee, Henry, you know, he, he may get a decent amount of carries, but he's still spelled by guys. Nobody's ever going to carry the ball close to 400 times a game ever. I mean, 400 times a season ever again. That thing's, that thing's long gone. I mean, it'll never happen again. Everybody platoons running backs. This guy was on the field and he was an absolute workhorse. And he was our last superstar, Mike, him and Jason Taylor. I mean, he retired in 2010, Ricky Williams. We have not had a superstar player since then. Ricky was a superstar. Jason Taylor was a superstar. Past those guys, we have not had one in ages. I'm hoping that some of these guys that are on the roster now develop into that. But he was our last true superstar, yeah, Ricky. Cam, Cam and, Wake uh, was the closest we've had, I suppose. Yeah, closest. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call Cam a superstar. Ricky was an absolute superstar. He was oh, the yeah. best running back over those couple of years in in football. It, just a joy to watch. Now, you know, we're talking Williams. We got to talk Ronnie Brown. He came in 2005. He played here through 2010. Uh, he was a first round pick that uh, was second overall uh, to Miami in 2005. He was a strong kid. He was thick and fast enough to score from anywhere. That said, he wasn't an explosive runner. And because of that, he averaged 4.3 yards a carry. Certainly respectable, but maybe not worthy of the number two selection. There was a lot of controversy over that pick. A lot of thought that they should have gone for the quarterback instead. That said, he started 71 to 76 games in Aquin Orange, and uh, it was he whose skills helped make the Wildcat go. Ronnie was a solid receiver out of the backfield, catching 184 passes for 1,491 yards over his time in Miami. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you mentioned it, you know, the number two overall pick. And, you know, you look at his numbers. Uh, you know, he had 1,000-yard season over the six seasons he was here in Miami. Um, you know, he came close a few other times. Uh, but, he, you know, he was very, very solid football player. But as a number two pick in the draft, you know, a little bit of a disappointment, you know, as far as production is concerned. Now, he was an extremely solid football player, and that's really the only knock you can you know you can throw at him is the fact that yeah, it's hard to hate on him. You just think he was overdrafted. He was overdrafted at that number two slot. You know, it's like you well, know, you know, you look at his numbers. You know, they're very comparable to other guys that have been here that were undrafted or you know or picked up on waivers from other teams. I mean, right? You know, but again, you know, Wildcat, he was great. He was able to throw the football. Um, 
you know, him and Ricky were a joy to watch back then, you know, with the Wildcat. And he did just an outstanding job, whether he was lining up as the quarterback or, you know, whatever the case may be. He, he was a really, really solid football player for us. And, um, you know, one of our better running backs, no doubt. Now, a guy that was here a short time and actually outperformed what I thought he would do was Reggie Bush. He was here in 2011, 2012. He, he was a free agent signing in 2011. You know, he insisted when he got here that he could run between the tackles, and he actually proved capable of that. Over two seasons, he started 31 of 32 games. He averaged 44.7 yards per rush and caught 78 passes. In 2011, he rushed for 1,086 yards and added another 296 through the air. In 2012, he rushed for 986 yards and added 292 through the air. Yep. Two very solid years here in Miami. A nice free agent signing for us. Uh, very productive. I remember a game up in Buffalo where, it, you know, in the snow, he was just running all over the place. And, uh, you know, he, he was an exciting guy to watch because he, he, he could catch the football. Just really, really productive. I mean, his first season with us, he averaged over five yards a carry, six touchdowns, uh, rushing the football. I mean, again, you know, very, very short career here in the Miami, but in Miami, but well worthy of being on the list. Uh, two extremely solid seasons for us as a free agent pickup, no doubt. Yeah, you know, as people have probably noticed, you know, we've gone from guys playing 10, 12 years to now guys playing two, three years. And <laughs> yeah. that's the nature of free agency. There's not much we can do about that. No, exactly. And you can't, we can't keep those guys off this list because of, you know, because of the fact that they come and go, you know. Right. They, they didn't start with us or they didn't end with us, whatever the case may be. But uh, they, in the short time these guys were here, they were all very productive. Right. It's, a, it's a new norm. Yep, absolutely, so, absolutely. Lamar Miller was here from 2012 to 2015. He was a fourth-round pick in the 2012 draft. He spent four years in Miami, topping 1,000 yards once in 2014. Overall, he rushed for 2,930 yards over those four seasons, adding 887 receiving. He averaged a respectable 4.6 yards per rush and had a 77% catch rate. He only broke 1,000 yards once more in 2016, but would have again in 2018 if not missing the last two games uh, with the Texans. Overall, a good but not spectacular running back. His career average per rush is 4.3 yards a carry. Yeah, Lamar to me was a good, good running back, um, but not spectacular. And right. he, he signed a big, big contract with Houston. And he, he went on his way. And the thing that bugged me about Lamar was that he, he would go down. Uh, if a guy just got their hand on him, he, he would get taken down. He never was able to run through tackles. Very frustrating guy to watch. Very productive out of the backfield as far as catching the football. Um, had a really good average per, per carry with us. And, you know, a, a very productive player, but, you know, frustrating at times to watch. He had good vision, but not so good balance. Well, yeah, I mean, he went down very easy, Mike, as yep. I mentioned. You know, that yep. was a frustrating, frustrating thing for me with him. In 2015, Jay Ajay came to us he, uh, in the draft. Uh, he played here through 2017. We took him in the fifth round in the 15 draft. He had 49 carries his rookie season for 187 yards. That averaged 3.8 yards a carry. 
Uh, then he broke out in 2016, making the Pro Bowl and rushing for 1,272 yards while adding 150 more through the air. Tough runner. Uh, he showed some speed at times. The uh, success went to his head a bit, and it became obvious he and the staff had differences of opinion on multiple occasions. Uh, he wore out his welcome and never again broke a 1,000 yards during his career after being sent to Philadelphia in 2017. Yeah, one big season, Mike. I mean, that was yeah. it. You know, he was one and done. Um, you know, in 2016, you know, in 12 starts, 1,272 yards, almost 1,300 yards. I mean, one of the bigger totals in our history. Um, sure. Eight touchdowns. Well, he had, what, three 200-yard games that season? Yeah. I mean, he was, you know, he was a workhorse for us that one season, and he was a fun, fun guy to watch, and we didn't get an awful lot in return when we traded when we traded him, but maybe um, he was a little bit overrated. Maybe that season was inflated for whatever reason, because as you mentioned, I mean, he just hasn't done much since he's left the Dolphins. I don't think he's even in the NFL right now, to be honest with you. I know he got hurt in 2019, but I don't think he was on a roster coming into this season. Well, he's not on a roster coming into this season, as far as I know. So a very short career here for this fella. All right. So that, that does it for running backs, Lewis. All right. What are we on to, Mike? We're on the centers. Centers. Okay. You got it. The center Not, of everything. I don't know who was, who was the center in 1966, so I'm <laughs> going to skip that. I'm going to go right to Jim Langer. Okay. Jim Langer was here from 1970 to 1979. He was a walk-on free agent of the Browns in 1970, but didn't make it through training camp. I wonder if they'd like a do-over on that one. Mm-hmm. Monty Clark had a strong debate with Shula over who should start between existing center Bob DeMarco and Jim Langer. Shula relented and the rest is history. Between 70 and 79, Langer racked up 128 straight games, earning six Pro Bowl trips and four first-team All-Pro awards and three second-team awards. If you watch Super Bowl VIII, you'll see why. He was simply one of the best two centers of the decade, the other being the Steelers' Mike Webster. Yep, Langer key on those Super Bowl teams. Uh, just a great player. Hall of Fame. I mean, what more can you say about him? Uh, just an outstanding, outstanding football player and unselfish, much much like all of those guys across the offensive line on those Super Bowl teams. Just went out, did their job, never heard any, did it well. bit, any bitching or moaning from them about anything. They just went out, did what they had to do, call it a day. And he had Zonka running up his ass <laughs> you know, half the time too. Not only was he was he taking it on the defensive side, but when they were running up the middle, you know, Zonka was running and it was back at times too. So he was getting it from both ends. And uh, the guy was just, you know, again, a Hall of Fame player. Not much more you can say about that. You know, we, we had Dwight Stevenson who came in after him. And I think because of how successful Dwight was, people overlook Langer. And that that's sad because Langer was damn, damn good. Uh, but so was Dwight. Now, Dwight played here from 1980 to 1987. He was a second-round choice in the 80 draft. Uh, he became a full-time starter in 82 and did not miss a game until his career-ending injury on a cheap shot by Marty Lyons of the Jets, who happened to be his college roommate. Crazy. Yeah, it was lightning quick for a center. He hit you before you knew what was coming, and when he did, it was over. Uh, he was super strong. He'd, he'd leverage players straight to the turf with one arm. 
Uh, he was incredible at times and, and always damn good. Uh, five-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro. Both he and Langer are in the Hall of Fame, and, and both are deserving. Mike, overall, okay, in the Hall of Fame, how many centers do you think are there? There's not an awful lot. I mean, I can't think of many. I well, mean, I know Webster's there. I can't think of too many others. Jim Otto? Yeah. Uh, there are not many centers. I know a few guys uh, of late have gone in, you know, a few, uh, a few centers. But the fact that we have two that are in there from the same team and two of the best, they are by far two of the best ever. Um, we, we've been fortunate. We really have. Um, Dwight Stevenson may have been the best center that, uh, that, that has ever played the game. And unfortunately his career got cut short because I swear to God, I think the guy would still be playing center. Well, he was a better athlete than Jim Langer was. He was just so, so fast. Mike, he physically, I mean, the guy was just built he did not look like your offensive lineman he just didn't I mean he was rock solid and I mean quick he was fast I mean I saw him throw William Refrigerator Perry around on that Monday night game like a sack of potatoes he was hand you know that was a key to that game and you know I don't know if a lot of people know this but the, the key to that football game on that Monday night was the fact that Stevenson was able to handle Refrigerator Perry one-on-one, which allowed the other guys across the line to handle their blitzing linebackers, which they constantly did, you know, with that uh, deep, what they call that defense, Mike. My God, I'm drawing a blank right now. The point is, is that uh, Stevenson was a key factor in us beating them on that Monday night game and keeping them from going undefeated because he just he just annihilated Refrigerator Perry. I remember looking down and watching Dicka just, I mean, just ripping Perry on serious. the sideline. You know, yeah. just ripping. God only knows what he was telling him. But, you know, Stevenson was just throwing him around like a sack of potatoes, as I mentioned. Just, just an incredible, incredible football player. And um, very sad that his career was ended short due to that cheap shot and it truly was a cheap shot um we were at the game and you know i mean the play was over and he just yeah, it went was at 40 his... yards on the other side of the field i mean it was just ridiculous absolutely horrible i mean i don't know if people know the situation but we'll talk about it real quick marino threw an interception the jet defensive back was returning it for a touchdown um stevenson was kind of trailing the play i mean here's a center you know, running after a cornerback who was probably 20, 30 yards up the field. And Marty Lyons, the defensive tackle for the Jets, went at his knees and just took him out. And I mean, it was absolutely horrible. And when I tell you, Dwight tried to get back on the field for two years and just couldn't come back from it. It, it was truly sad to watch. You know, again, you know, he, he would by far be maybe the best offensive lineman that ever played the game had he been able to um, continue his career and, and play out his career because he was just that good. And even though he did have the short career, he did get put in the Hall of Fame. And that tells you all that needs to be told about Dwight Stevens. He was one, he was one of our greatest players in our history by far. And I agree with you. I think he was one of the best ever at his position, even with a short tenure. Yep, absolutely. Jeff Ulenick was here from 89 to 93. Now, he was a fifth-round selection in the 89 draft. Uh, obviously, he was not the caliber of the two uh, centers who preceded him, but few are. Uh, he played five seasons, uh, having his last year cut short by injury. The next season, he was signed by the Saints, where he spent two seasons before going to the Redskins, where he finished his career in 97. 
Yep, very solid football player, Mike. Um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I mean, yeah, you basically mentioned everything that needs to be said about Ulenick. Just a very, very solid center for us for a nice period of time and uh, did a great job, no question. And then Tim Ruddy. Ruddy was here from 94 to 2003. Uh, he was a second-round choice in the 94 draft. Uh, he'd go on to become a starter in 95 and would play two th- through 2003, missing only four games in those nine years. Uh, very steady, if not spectacular, player. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, he falls right behind Stevenson and Langer. As a, you know, and you can throw Pouncey in there too. Well, I think yeah, Ruddy. I would too. I think Ruddy was a uh, better football player than Pouncey was. Uh, very consistent. And uh, when you play nine seasons for a team as a starter, I mean, enough be said. You know, just a, just a great, great football player. Very, very solid, solid football player, I should say. Well, let's talk about Pouncey. Pouncey was here from 11 to 17. Uh, he was the first-round pick in the 2011 draft. In my opinion, a very underappreciated player. Uh, Mike was a tough player, was fast enough to lead sweeps in either direction. He was dominant on the second level. A four-time Pro Bowler, three times with Miami, and... Uh, once with the Chargers. He missed six games his first five seasons and was labeled fragile because he required multiple hip surgeries, which caused him to miss 11 games in 2016. He started every game in 2017 and was clearly still regaining his football strength in his core. Uh, Miami moved on and he played two solid seasons with the Chargers before having his 2019 season cut short with a neck injury. You know, Pouncey was. He was a really good football player. I mean, listen, he should have been a good football player. He was the 15th pick overall. He was our first-round selection in 2011. And he, he really did a very, very good job for us. The thing I, I found frustrating about him in his last two seasons with us were the penalties. Um, every time it seemed like we had a big play, you know, there was a flag on the field and he was called for holding or whatever the case may be. He was a frustrating guy his last two seasons with the Dolphins, but an extremely solid football player. I think he was playing hurt. I think he wasn't fully recovered yet, and I think he was playing at a disadvantage, and that's why you saw those penalties that maybe you weren't seeing as much earlier. Right. But, you know, it is what it is. You you got to produce. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's go to guards. Wait a minute. You don't want to talk about uh, Kildor, Mike? Who? <laughs> Your favorite player that's no longer Who? with us? You don't want to talk about his tenure, huh? Well, yeah, we can talk about it. I'm glad he came and left. <laughs> there you go. All right. What are we on to? Guards? Uh, you Larry Little. Yes. All 1969 right. to 1980. Larry was a free agent when signed by the Chargers in 67. Uh, he was traded to Miami against his wishes in 69. Miami was a losing organization, and there were racial tensions in South Florida that Little was kind of wary of. Well, he made it here, and it was the best, one of the best moves of his life. Don Shula came in a year later, and Little would become one of the best pulling guards in the history of the game. A six-time Pro Bowler and five-time first-team All-Pro, a two-time second-team All-Pro, uh, Little was introduced into the NFL Hall of Fame in 1993, and that same year he was added to the Dolphin Honor Roll. You know, the thing about Larry Little, Mike, okay, he came in uh, basically before they became those Super Bowl teams. And he was here. 
after those Super Bowl teams, a lot of those guys were long gone. Uh, he wound up playing with us until 1979. So as we were losing guys, um, and we lost a ton of them, you know, uh, whether the World Football League or injuries and retirements, whatever the case may be, uh, probably 99% of those guys were gone. And Larry Little was the mainstay. He was one of the few that were still there through everything. And he was starting for us and playing at a very high level even after the fact. Um, you know, he was there through Greasy's, you know, late 70s. Larry Little, Hall of Famer, not a lot more you can say about him. I mean, when you watch the highlight films and you see those old Dolphin films, uh, that big, humongous body just out there pulling <laughs> for the guys. And what a sight to watch. I mean, all now, you see is... if you were a cornerback, it was Oh, it was great. You know, you just see him just coming out from that guard position and going outside, and, and it was just... <laughs> it's just great to see. You know, you see... You post pictures on the Facebook page once in a while of Merck running the football and stuff, and, and, and it seems like every time you see one of those photos, Larry's out in front of him just just going full throttle at somebody, you know, it's just, it's great. You he, know, he for was such so a much big fun. man, he was speedy. Oh yeah. He got out there. I mean that they, listen, they used him in every way, shape or form. I mean, he can just blow you off at the line of scrimmage and he could pull. I mean, that's why he's in the hall of fame. He's yeah. just a great player. Great player. I mean, imagine him keeping up with Mercury Morris. You just don't think that's possible. Right, right. Well, he didn't keep up with him for long, but he did it long enough to contest. get the job done. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Bob Kuchenberg was here from 70 to 83. Uh, now, Bob lost confidence in himself, and he wanted to quit football. Uh, he had a pep talk with his brother, and then Bob signed as a free agent with the Dolphins in 1970. Uh, he went on to start 176 games for the Dolphins through 1983. He retired in camp during '84 uh, due to various injuries. I think he had an eye problem at that point, and uh, yeah. he just wasn't well. Uh, he was a six-time Pro Bowler and a one-time All-Pro. Uh, now, he was the emotional leader, and uh, when that didn't work, he had no problem calling you out. That got him in trouble with players such as Jason Taylor when Jason said it's just another chapter in the grumpy Bob Kuchenberg story. It's Kuchenberg. He gets up every year and complains about something. If it ain't one thing, it's another. He needs a hug and a hobby. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what Jason didn't understand was Bob was proud of the team's legacy he helped create, and watching that legacy crumble bothered him, and rightfully so. Kuchenberg. What a nasty, nasty man on the football field. I mean, you, you know, think of incognito, but times 10, okay? This is the way Kuchenberg was. Now, he didn't do but the not things. Dirty. Not dirty. He did it in a, that's what I was going to say. He did it in a yeah. clean way, but as nasty as incognito. And a no-nonsense guy. I mean, I've had, and we'll, we'll do this in another show, but I've had some of the <laughs> some of the defensive players. I've sat down <laughs> with them and talk about Kuchenberg a little bit, and you know what a wise guy he was. You know, he got in your head, and then he took you to the bank on the very, on, you know, the rest of the game. I mean, he was just, and Mike, he wasn't a very big guy. He really no. wasn't. No, he was very undersized uh, when you looked at him. And when you went down the football games, you looked across this offensive line and you see this humongous man in Larry Little at one guard 
And then you look over at Kuchenberg and you're like, what the hell? I mean, how is this guy getting the job done? But he did it. He did it for a long time. He's another one of these bridge guys that I talk about all the time. He went through Greasy. He went through Strock and Woodley. And he was there with Marino. Um, he didn't agree with that, with passing the game 40 times, uh, passing right. the ball had, 40 he, times. That's, that's one of his grumbles, you know. He had, he had quite a few grumbles over right. the years. He felt they could have won Super Bowls if they ran the ball more and stuff like that. But that was, as you mentioned, that was Cooch being Cooch. Uh, the guy was, you know, listen, he... he well, what, where did he have success? Right, and right. he had success running the ball, so he's figuring that's going to be successful. I mean, there's logic to what he was saying. Absolutely, uh, just a. I spent time with him on a few occasions, and he was a very, very interesting man. That's all I can tell you. He was very opinionated. He was very set in his ways, but he's the type of guy that you love. And as a Miami Dolphin fan, you you would have loved him if you sat down and talked to him, and if you were if you had the opportunity to watch the guy play because he left his heart out on the field. Every I mean, Mike, he game. played with a broken yep. a, a broken arm with a rod stuck through his arm. And, and he, he was, played with a broken back. Right, He exactly. And he played when he was going blind. I mean, he yeah. was having vision problems. Yeah. He was going out on the field and playing. I mean, this was a guy that was a true warrior. And um, They've did him a real. He's he's passed on now, but they did him a major injustice by not having him inducted into the Hall of Fame when he was alive, because he he is very very deserving. I think it's a crime, personally, and I think it's because of his personality. He rubbed people the wrong way. There's no, but yeah. If you're judging him by what he did on the football field, that man should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question. If you look at the offensive linemen that have gotten in, I mean, he's right there with them. He's so deserving. I mean, he played so many. What did he play, 14 years? Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, ridiculous. I mean, he's got to be there. He won't experience it. Unfortunately, he's not going to be around when they induct him because I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I hope so. Uh, Next, we had Ed Newman. The Jewish Uh, bomber. Ed Ed was here from 73 to 84. He was a sixth-round pick by Miami in the 73 draft. Now, Ed couldn't crack the starting lineup behind Cooch and Little until 79 when Shula needed Cooch to move to tackle. Uh, he never left the lineup, only missing one game the rest of his career. He was moved to right guard upon Cooch's return uh, to left guard in 1980. Ed was known as the strongest dolphin in the weight room for many years. Uh, he was a beast. Uh, he made the Pro Bowl four times and was named All-Pro once. <laughs> I love this guy. I had, mean, <laughs> had he not sat behind two of the best in the game, Lou, I'm certain he would have achieved more accolades early in his career. He was such a beast. Mike, people don't realize that he was on this roster from 1973. What year did yeah. he start? His start, Mike? 73. I can't no, 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 uh, no. When no, did no. he actually, did get he the actually lineup? start? 79. 79. Six years. I mean, this guy, I remember him on special teams and everything and, and being on the roster. And then when he started playing, you're like, what in the hell? I mean, this guy's been on our roster for six years and wasn't able to play, but that tells you how great Larry Little and Kuchenberg were. Now, with that being said, you, as you mentioned, Mike, a beast. I mean, <laughs> this is another guy. Once Little was gone, when you looked at him and you looked at Kuchenberg, you're like, 
man, oh man, this guy's just humongous. I mean, he was strong as could be. I mean, just a, <laughs> just another guy that was just so enjoyable to watch and and so key to Marino. Um, you know, you had Stevenson there, but Newman right next to him at that left guard on the interior. Oh my goodness, were they? They were just phenomenal. They just dominated guys on the inside of that line. Dominated them. Yeah. Roy Foster was here from 82 to 90. Uh, he was a first-round pick in the 82 draft. Now, F- Foster worked his way in the lineup in 84 and was a full-time starter through 89. He was injured in 90 and signed by San Francisco in 91, where he'd finished his career in 93. A hard-working, very solid left guard for six seasons in Miami. He was a two-time pro bowler during his stay here. <laughs> I will always remember Roy Foster for the touchdown catch in the playoff game up in Buffalo when they had him as a tackle eligible and he caught the touchdown. And the dance that he did that followed that touchdown catch is one of the funniest things I have ever seen on a football field. Anybody who's listening, I don't remember what the year was. It had to be early 90s, but just just uh, go on YouTube and watch the Dolphin-Buffalo playoff game and try to find, or just just Google, I mean, just put it in there. Google Roy Foster touchdown catch against Buffalo and watch the dance that he does. It, it's, it's hysterical because it's so spontaneous. <laughs> And it's just great. Roy Foster was, again, another another joy to watch. A guy that was there, you know, through the 80s, you know, through Marino's career. And just a solid, solid football player. I loved him. You know, a guy that was just very, you know, he, he was just a fun guy. I mean, to meet him in person and stuff, he just an easy, easy going guy. But man, oh man, did he do the job on the football field. You know, I always remember his big eyes, you know, his eyes being wide open through the football uh-huh. helmet on the, on the football field every time the camera panned to him. Uh, just just a great guy. Uh, he's still around. He's, he's around in the area. He hangs out with Duper quite a bit. We see him quite often. Just a fun, fun guy and a really, really good football player for years. Harry Galbraith was here from 88 to 92. He was an eighth-round draft pick in 1988. Harry provided some great value for an eighth-round pick. He started 75 games for the Dolphins before moving on to Green Bay, where he started 48 more games before finishing his career in New York. A steady player, wasn't spectacular, but he got the job done. Yes, he did, and he did it for a long period of time as well. You know, a decent amount of time for us, I should say. You know, over those five seasons, he was 75 games. Very, very good. Started every single one of them, you know, that he was healthy for. Um, I think he missed what, Mike? A total of three games over his career as a Dolphin. And, you know, just a really, really solid football player. And I mean, as you mentioned, you're talking about an eighth round draft pick that wound up starting five years for us. Let's hope that some of these guys that we've drafted over these last couple of years do anything comparable to a guy like this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you think about how many guys have come and gone that were second and third round and earlier draft picks for us across that offensive line over the last 10 years. I mean, there's there's got to be 20 of them. And honestly, none of them have done what this guy did. So he's very That's deserving right. to be on this list. Keith Sims was here from 1990 to 1997, a second-round pick in the 90 draft. His buddy Richmond Webb was taken in front of him. Uh, Shula was determined to reconstruct the left side of the offensive line. He hit it out of the park. 
Sims was exactly what the team needed, a strong player who was one of the best at the left guard position. He was tough and physical, and together with Webb gave Miami a strength they hadn't had in a while, a formidable offensive line. Keith was a three-time Pro Bowler during his career from 93 to 95. Yeah, seven seasons as a starter, Mike, before injuries did him in a bit. Um, yeah. You know, and uh, that ended his career here in Miami. But by goodness, for seven seasons, him and Webb, as you mentioned, were just a great tandem on that left side of the field. And and they were responsible for, you know, any success that we had. I mean, you think about it. You know, Buffalo was the team to beat back then. And who did they have on that on that side of the football? They had a guy by the name of Bruce Smith, and um, I'll tell you what, you know, those guys did a really, really solid job. The Buffalo defense was so strong, and um, and Shula knew he had to go out and get some guys that could, you know, somehow, somehow control the offensive line, and Sims was a big part of that. Um, an outstanding football player, no question. Richie Incognito was here from 2010 to 2013. He was formerly a third-round pick of the Rams. Richie was a mauler at left guard, a four-time pro bowler, once with Miami and three times with Buffalo. The story of his Miami tenure wasn't his play on the field as much as it was off. Yeah, Richie, 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 Richie. I mean, boy, do we... Could we have used a guy like this over the last five or so years? You know, he left us in 2013, and um, I'll tell you what, you know, he's pl- he's still playing at a, at a good level, Mike. And, um, yeah. you know, the, the whole situation that we don't have to go into, um, you know, I mean, it hurt us. I mean, we lost a guy that was, you know, basically just a fighter uh, across that line of scrimmage and a dirty football player, but a guy that if you if he's on your football team and he's playing for you, you loved him. And, You're a little bit better. Exactly. And uh, I'll tell you what, you know, he he gets you fired up. You know, when he gets things going, when he did get things going, when he was playing for us, it fires up the rest of the team. It makes a difference. You want guys like this on the football field. You know, once in a while, a guy comes along and, you know, he just becomes a favorite. And he is a fan. He was a fan favorite. And he always will be. You know, um, you know it's sad that he had to leave the way he left. But, you know, it is what it is. All right, so we'll, we'll go to tackles. Uh, All right. Ba- back in 66, we got Norm Evans. He was an original Dolphin. Uh, he played here until 75. He was a 14th round pick of Houston in the 65 draft. Miami claimed him in the 66 expansion draft. He went on to start 136 games. He was a two-time pro bowler in 72 and 74. He was pretty steady uh, as a right tackle where he played the majority of his career. He played three seasons with the expansion Seahawks, becoming the only player to be selected in two expansion drafts. Wow, I didn't know that. That's an interesting tidbit there, Mr. Fink. Yeah, Evans was, you know, a key component to that offensive line on those Super Bowl teams. I mean, you know, what was amazing about those guys over those couple of seasons is that they were there game in and game out. And I mean, they just did the job. I mean, listen, those guys, Merck, Kick, Zonka, they were they were exceptional talents. But without guys like Norm Evans and Cooch that's and the right. guys we're talking about, that that's not happening. It's just not happening. And Evans was a key part of that and it was there for for a good long while as our starter. Very, very good football player. Very good football player. 
Eric Laxo was here from 78 to 84. He was a fourth-round selection in the 78 draft. Eric worked his way into the starting lineup in 1980 and uh, started 61 games before injuries forced him to retire. He played both guard and right tackle at various times in his career. He's a big man. He was six foot four, two 285 pounds, and uh, he was scrappy. He had no problems mixing it up once in a while. Yeah, his, his, Laxo's problem was he was consistently injured, Mike, and yep. and it and it hurt him. You know, I mean, he wound up having to retire. I mean, in '84, uh, you know, when Marino started taking off, I mean, you know, he started four games for us and was only able to play four games that season. You know, he started four games that year and then he was done for the season and never played another football game. And and that was, you know, that was him through his career. You know, in 83, you know, he started 14 in the 16 games. And a lot of the games that he started, Mike, he was playing injured. He was playing injured. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but every single game he was questionable. And you know what? To his credit, 90% of those occasions he was out there on the field playing. He gutted it up. I don't know what he was doing to get out on the field, but he was out there. And um, he was constantly on the injury report. And that's what I remember most about Lax- Laxo. Mm-hmm. John Geisler was here from 79-88. Uh, he was a first-round pick in the 79 draft. Uh, he had started 105 games at left tackle for Miami. He struggled staying healthy as well, beginning in 86, and eventually had forced Shula to move on. Yep, same same situation. Geisler, yep. I mean, it, it, you know, it's funny because th- those were our two starting tackles, and it seemed like every doggone week they were on the injury report. They weren't. They were game day decisions, game in and game out. And to his credit as well, most of the time he got out there and played football. Again, unfortunate they just couldn't stay healthy, him and Laxo. I mean, they'll always be connected for those reasons. They were there at the same time, and they were both constantly injured, but both really, really good football players when they were on the football field. Yeah. Richmond Webb came in in 90, which was two years after Giesler left and, and played the 2000. Uh, he was the first-round pick in the 90 draft, and he was a rocket left tackle for 11 seasons in Aquin Orange. He started 163 games against some really good competition, including Bruce Smith, as you mentioned earlier. Yep. He held his own time and again against the best. He was a seven-time Pro Bowler from 1990 to 1996 and a two-time All-Pro. His next stop should be Canton, Ohio. Yes, I agree with you totally. I mean, you know, you look at the amount of seasons that he played for us. It was a total of, what, 11, you said? I mean, yeah. Yeah. And a starter all through those years, and you just plugged him in. He did the job, Pro Bowl player. Consistent year. week to week. And, just to- and Mike, I mean, as you mentioned, I mean, Bruce Smith twice a year, and there were other guys in the league through his career that were just really, really good defensive ends that he was going up against. And, and he is going to make the Hall of Fame. He's going to be one of the one of the Dolphins that, that do, in fact, make it. Um, you know, he, he's well-deserving of it. It's plain and simple. He was one of the best offensive tackles over that over a 10-year period. I mean, I mean, 10 years. You play 10, year, 10 years plus in the NFL, well-deserving of being a Hall of Fame player when you make the Pro Bowl about 60% of the time over your career, over a 10-year career. You got to be there. Off the top of my head, I don't know how old Richmond is now, but I think he could probably step in for some of the tackles we've had recently and do as good a job. You're probably right. You're probably right. 
Uh, now, Vernon Carey came in in 2004 and played to 2011. Uh, he was a first-round pick in 04. He started 107 games for the franchise before he, too, yielded to injuries in 2011. A uh, good player, but not on the level of some of the tackles that we've mentioned before him. Right. Uh, well, Mike, you know, seven seasons with us. And, yeah, a very good football player. I mean, very, very consistent. Um, you know, in the seven seasons that he was with us and, and his, his whole career was with the Dolphins. Um, yep. you know, he, he didn't go elsewhere. Once he retired from the Dolphins, he was done. So, um, you know, again, he played real, college here too. Yep. At, at UM, very, very yep. solid football player. No doubt. Jake Long came in 2008 and he was here through 2012 and he was the first overall pick in the 2008 draft. Uh, he came in and looked the part. He was a big burly man at 6'7", 315 pounds and he played like it too. He made the Pro Bowl his first four seasons in Miami. Then a string of injuries cut short his career. It, it just, you know, it fell apart for him after that. Yeah, a after he left the Dolphins, he went on to the Rams and... Um, mm -hmm. Like as you mentioned, um, injuries did him in, but uh, you know there's so much controversy behind him being picked over um, over Matt Ryan, and it's still talked about to this day. But you know what people don't understand is is that we did need an offensive lineman, and um, you know he was an extremely solid football player for us. As you mentioned, you know he was uh, he was Pro Bowl player four out of the five seasons he played for us. Now. You know, again, you know, when you're first overall in the draft, you know, going back to the Ronnie Brown comments that we made right, earlier, right, right. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot put on you. Now, you know, because of that, you can't really hold it against them that the Dolphins went ahead and drafted him number one. Um, what do you expect from an offensive lineman? You know, he did everything he possibly could for your team. And uh, that's all you can ask, or, for, uh, ask of a player. And he did that. So, um, you know, again. Yeah, the people that call him a bust and something do, I think that's ignorant. No. He it, wasn't a bust. By he was no a means. good player. By no means. He was a good player. Tony Mandarich was a bust. Exactly. Jake Long was not a bust. Just had some bad luck. That's it. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah, because of where he was drafted and, and yep. injuries. Absolutely. Yep. Laramie Tunzel is the last guy we're going to talk about. Uh, he, he was drafted in 2016 and, and played through 2018. He was drafted in the first round of the 16 draft when a bong video surfaced right before the draft, causing Laramie to slip to Miami. He started three seasons for us and was just really coming into his own, but Houston was desperate for a left tackle, and with us in rebuilding mode, a deal was struck. We received two first-round picks and a second for his rights, uh, and then he went ahead and made the Pro Bowl for Houston in return. Yes, very, very good football player. Um, surprised the hell out of us that they traded him but they got offered so much it, it was an offer they couldn't refuse so to speak so you know uh the verdict is still out obviously on whether that was a smart trade or not obviously you know we saw what we drafted this year with the pick that we picked up from the texans yeah. some people uh, are not thrilled with it but um you know time will tell and it's way too early not to be thrilled it is way too early not to be thrilled exactly. And we do have another number one of theirs next season. And uh, right. that remains to be seen as to what and we're And a number two. And a number two. Exactly. So, so with that being said, the verdict's still out on this trade. So we will see. Time will tell. But getting back to Tunsil himself, very, very good football player. We were fortunate to get him. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, we got a lot for him in trade. So 
Um, you know, that'll go down as if the Dolphins start becoming a very solid football team, this trade will be uh, hopefully a major part of that, you know, as far as us getting to a playoff caliber type of team. Uh, hopefully we look back on it and say this was a key contribution to players that we got in return for him. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you look, you don't get something without giving up something, and that's that's what people sometimes fail to understand. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. With that, Lewis, I think we're going to close this week's show. we pretty long. Uh, hopefully it keeps people interested. I mean, I, I find it fascinating looking back at some of these guys and uh, the careers that they had. Yeah, guys that, you know, that uh, were forgotten about. You know, guys yeah. like Harry Galbraith and uh, people like Jeff Ulenick, people of that nature. Some of the running backs we mentioned. Mark Higgs. Lawton Lamar Smith. I mean, such right. a short career, but but part of Dolphin history and, and you know, very productive football players that that people may have forgotten about. So hopefully people do enjoy, you know, us going back and, and bringing up some of these old names. And, you know, hopefully we, we educated some people or, you know, uh, put them in a position where maybe they'll go back and look up these guys and maybe look up some highlights and see where they were. I mean, that Lamar Smith Colt game, you know, if you can watch that, it was just incredible what he did that day. You know, he carried yep. us on his back in that playoff game. So, yeah. Yep. All right. All righty. Lewis, fins up. Fins up, Mike. Thanks, everybody. All right. So, that's our show for this week. I just want to remind everyone that the Fin Fans podcast is part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. 